Welcome to the Leader Manager Coach Podcast, your weekly podcast where we take a deep dive examining knowledge, philosophies, wisdom and insights to help you to lead, manage and coach in football, sports and life. Leader Manager Coach is presented by Rob Riles. Rob is a qualified coach with a League Managers Association qualification and a science and medicine background. He has worked in the football industry in Europe, USA and Africa at international, premiership, league, non-league and grassroots levels with World Cup and European Championship experience. Hello and welcome to another edition of Leader Manager. Coach Rob Riles here, welcome you to another edition. I hope you're well and I hope you're enjoying all the fantastic uh, content that we're able to provide for you. Now today I'm going to talk about a specific coach and a specific coach from the United States again who has some real key things to share with us and I'll make no bones about this I've got this from the information from a, an absolutely wonderful resource an amazing book that I've come across and I think I may have mentioned it before and um, it's called The Real Giants of Soccer Coaching now this book The Real Giants of Soccer Coaching is not long out it's by a guy called Josh Fager now as it turns out um, I didn't know this, but Josh has been doing podcasts about coaches, about coaching for a long time. I think it's about three years and um, has apparently over 100 episodes. And um, Josh, um, you've done a fantastic, fantastic job with this book and I can hardly put it down. And the amount of detail, the amount of content and the amount of magic in these pages is um, for anybody who's who's a coach, who's a leader, who's a manager, is nothing short of amazing. So I can't recommend Josh's book highly enough. It's The Real Giants of Soccer Coaching and it's insights and wisdom from the, game, the game's greatest coaches. And um, I'm going to share some things out of that book that have, um, you know, I'm not going to read the book. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, um, plagiarize it I'm going to just take out a couple of things that have really stood out for me just from the first the first interview if you like and um, the guy we're going to talk about is a guy called Jay Martin and um, just before we get onto that um, I'd just like to illustrate something that Josh highlights um, at the beginning of the book and Josh highlights the difference between ability and success. And I think this is something that, particularly in the world of professional sport or in any area of achievement is that we, we get carried away with, is that we hang our hat, if you like, we set our goals, we, we work diligently and hard towards a certain level and we want to achieve something and what Josh says very, very emphatically is that the world will often not show a correlation between ability and success. And the example he cites is Stephen King. Now, Stephen King has sold millions and millions and millions of copies of his book. And Stephen King is somebody I'm particularly interested in because a guy called Ryan Holiday again, who is somebody really worth following. So if you get a chance to Google Ryan Holiday and read some of his essays, you won't, uh, you won't miss out. 
And Ryan talked about the fact that in his early years, Stephen used to have a nail on his wall in his writing room. And when he got a rejection letter for one of his manuscripts, he would just stick it on the, on the nail. And he was such a prolific writer and he was such a prolific sender of his manuscripts off that he got so many rejection letters that he had to take down the nail and he put up on the wall um, what Ryan described as, I think he described it as a railway spike. Um, so if you can imagine that, an enormous piece of steel driven into the wall and Stephen continued until he'd filled up with rejection letters his railway spike. And um, as anybody who understands authors will know, Stephen has um, sold absolutely millions and millions of books and is highly, highly successful. And the example he gives is that what Stephen King decided to do some years ago was to write and sell books under a pseudonym. And a pseudonym um, that he termed was Richard Bachman. So there was Stephen King, this highly successful, amazing author, writing these amazing books. But because he wanted to turn out more material, decided that the best way to do that, so that he wasn't overfacing his fans, if you like, was to write his books under a pseudonym. So he created the pseudonym, Richard Bachman, and wrote the books. However, what happened was that his books weren't selling. And no matter how good the quality no matter what they were about, Richard Bachman did not sell books. As soon as it became known that Stephen King was the author, then those books sold, which often, or not necessarily often, but illustrates that it's people's perceptions, not the actual reality. And it, it demonstrates really well the difference between ability and success. And again, as Josh points out, um, and in the book is pointed out quite clearly, especially early on, is that the difference between really, really successful people in their field and people who are brilliant in their field but may not hold a position, an esteemed position, is often very, very small. So it may be that, you know, the difference between yourself and somebody who holds, you know, what you may consider to be one of the top two or three positions in your field in the country or even in the world or in your organization. The difference in your ability may be negligible. It may be none or it, or it may be very, very small. It's highly probable that it's very small unless you're just starting out and you're comparing yourself with somebody who's got 30 years of experience, then there is going to be a difference. But essentially, all things being equal, then the, the relationship between ability and, and success is not, is not one that you can rely on, is, which is what he's saying. And it's a great point. And it gives us a, an attitude. It gives us a, a, a state of mind to understand that essentially it's all about working on ourselves and doing what's important to us rather than chasing shadows on what the world perceives as success. Because if you, if you chase shadows as to what the world perceives as, as success, you are highly likely to end up with a very unfulfilling career. 
because you will always be chasing something rather than achieving a fulfillment in knowing that you you do and feeling that you do well what it is you were put here to do. Now, also in the introduction, Josh talks about an absolutely awesome, awesome principle, the Japanese principle or the, the Japanese philosophy of Kaizen, K-A-I-Z-E-N, of continuous improvement. And that forms a fundamental part of of the mastery process, which we've talked about, George Leonard's amazing book, Mastery, that this, the Kaizen process that you can almost make a cornerstone out of your, out of your life's work, really, because if you've decided that your inner calling is A, B, or C, and your only concern is within that philosophy of Kaizen, those incremental baby step improvements on your continuum, your journey, your plateau, which is relevant only to you, then again, linked to what we were just talking about before, about the world's definition of success, you will not be vulnerable to the winds of change that society throws at you because your your own definition of what's valuable, what's meaningful is very personal to you and, and is not represented by what other people think. Now, the other thing that he talks about, that Josh talks about in his introduction is, is the, the sharing of information and questions why in our industry, particularly, we are often very reticent to share our information. Is that because we are protective and we are frightened of sharing things that work so that other people might use them and, and get to better places than us? Well, I, I kind of think that that's probably the case. And one of the best examples I've seen of the antidote to this was called Best of the Best, where the Premier League ran a tournament of youth football where the teams from, and I think it may have been from some of the best teams in Europe, but it was certainly from the the Premier League, the English Premier League, and may have been the championship as well, where the youth teams, the, the teams from the academies, different age groups came together and they were coached by coaches from the other teams. So for example, you would have Wolverhampton Wanderers, Players coached by Everton coaches or Arsenal players coached by Manchester United coaches, etc., etc. So you get the picture. And the outcome for that was absolutely amazing. It kind of, as well as the enjoyment, as well as the football, as well as the experience of players hearing different coaches and experiencing different people and understanding how different coaches worked and coaches understanding how different players reacted and, and expectations, etc. The overall thing for me, um, having been blessed and with, with that experience of being at that tournament or at that, at that um, best of the best was that everybody's barriers came down. And by the end of the day, everybody was sharing ideas and talking and socializing and enjoying each other's companies and swapping phone numbers and networking. Whereas at the beginning of the day, everybody was reticent. Everybody was holding on to like holding the cards close to the chest. And it just proved to me that sharing is the best way. And what you give is what you'll get. And it's a big step. And it's not necessarily how the world of professional sport works. It's certainly not how the world of professional business works. But I think there's an awful lot in that. And um, I think it's something we should embrace and look at. And the final thing that Josh talks about in his introduction is 
the humility aspect of standing on the shoulders of giants. So, you know, we're not here because we're great. We're not, we're not here because it's something we've come up with. It's much wiser to give the accolades away and study and research and read and, and ask and go and find and stand on the shoulders of giants because there are many, many people who will have gone before us in endeavoring to do what we like to do, what our passion is. And it's it's far better to, to stand on the shoulders of giants and um, we'll be able to see much further and our and our and our successes will be much greater if we if we do that. So moving on, moving on to the first coach that I want to talk about. It's Jay Martin. Now Jay is quoted as being the winningest most coach in men's college soccer history. Um, apparently he's um, got a career winning percentage of eighty one percent. And this excellent piece of literature talks about a few key things, and I'm going to talk about three or four real key bright lines that you can take away and you can use and you can implement in your own practice, in your own life, that Jay, Jay's life illustrates. And the first one is his focus on process. And I absolutely love this. I absolutely love it. And you may have picked that up from previous podcasts where I've talked about mastery, is that it, it really is all about focusing on your own journey and focusing on the process, not the outcome because the outcome will take care of itself and it's having, and that's what gives you that peace of mind, that state, that, that serenity, when you know you're on the right path, when you know you're doing what you enjoy and you're just allowing the process to unfold and your focus is those daily incremental improvements and sometimes they may not feel like improvements. You're just turning up, sitting at your desk, turning up, getting out on the grass, turning up, doing whatever it is you do on a daily consistent basis so that you're doing what it is you feel that you need to do in your daily life, working towards whatever it is you you are working towards. So Jay's first big bright line is process, not outcome. And he talks about banning or not even banning, but just the whole avoidance in his coaching schedule and his culture of talking about accolades and medals and winning and achievement. And, the, and, and, the, and the, a great picture that's drawn by the writing in the book is that um, Jay, Jay's got a drawer in his office, which is full of medals from various years that people have failed to come and collect because actually they don't actually mean anything. What means something is so much more than the actual physical representation. It's not about that. It's about the process and it's about the relationships and it's about the daily things that go on, not not the medal that hangs around your neck. And that is probably the biggest bright line for me from Jay is that he's totally focused on being process orientated. And by being process oriented himself, teaches his players to be process oriented so that they are not, again, subject to the psychological winds of change that come with re- being results-focused, because we don't have control over results, but we do have control over our own processes. The second thing that Jay talks about is working hard on himself. So he talks about how he's what he's done in his own studies and how he, he got himself educated and learned about football and his life in Germany and 
how he put himself out to actually hone his craft and how he continues to do so. So working hard on yourself. The third bright line, the thing that really stands out in addition to those other two is the redefinition that Jay gives to the term mental toughness. Now, I'm sure that most of you out there will agree that the definition for the majority of people for mental toughness is, you know, plowing through fields of mud, um, getting up one more time when you feel like you couldn't do another press up, um, doing and attempting to do another set of an exercise when you feel like you're going to be sick. Um, the sergeant major sh- standing over you shouting at you when you've got to do one more repetition, etc., etc., etc. Jay redefines mental toughness as being able to play at a consistently high level all the time in a practice and a competition environment. So it's a tweak of what mental toughness means. So it's not that ability to get one more rep out. It's not just that ability to do to, to drag out of yourself one more one more thing. It's that mental control, if you like, that allows you to maintain a consistent mindset so that you can perform at a consistent level, no matter what's going on around you. So if you're losing 1-0, you go a goal down and your mindset's gone from a 10 to a 5, how quickly can you adjust that so it gets back up to a 7 or 8 or a 9 so that you can re reconfigure or re-kickstart your, your game, if you like. Okay, moving on. So the next big bright line that Jay talks about is his focus on um, player orientation rather than coach orientation and his focus on intrinsic motivation. So what he wants to do and what he does is he finds out what is important to his players on an actual weekly basis. Now, I'm not saying I agree with that to change your focus on a weekly basis, but he, he lets his players tell him or guide him as the coach as to what is important to them and what it is they particularly want to improve on. So those players are therefore intrinsically motivated to practice what it is they need to practice to get better at. And it does obviously make sense that if you're attempting to get players to improve, I mean, on a certain aspect of the game or getting your staff members to improve on a certain aspect of their performance, whether that's in business or that is in coaching or in a game or a sport, then if they're not motivated to do that because it doesn't mean anything to them, then your results are likely to be poor at best. However, you get somebody who is actually doing something that they are passionate about, that they love, that they want to do, then we all know it goes without saying that their efforts and their enthusiasm are going to be at a different level. So Jay really, really uses that and has used it to to a great to great advantage and, and and obviously his successes and his team's successes speak for themselves the last or the final bright line that i want to talk about is, is again it's banded around and it's used all the time and it's the word values what is it that's valuable to you and the process that jay uses with his teams is he gives his teams a list and i think the number is about 50 to 100 i'm not sure he gives his team a list of values prior to the beginning of the season. It might be in the hundreds. And he then sends the players away and they have to come up with their top 
I think it's a top 10. And then from that top 10 values, what's most important to them? But then they have to come up with the top five and rank them. So what, so therefore at the end of the process, they will have a list of 10 values and the top five will be ranked. So what's number one to them? What is the most important thing to them? What's the second most important thing to them? The third thing and so on and so on. And he uses that to guide the players through the season. So they are acting, they are practicing, they are turning up with a focus on what is valuable to them, what's most important to them. In addition to that, they've got another layer underneath that of being, what's the word, being allowed or or being facilitated to practice on specifics of their performance of what's important to them. Now you imagine if you could create a culture and you were allowed to create a culture or you were brave enough to create a culture whereby you had got together a group of people and together as a group, you had decided as the leader and had facilitated the creation of this value structure so that everybody was on blob, everybody was on the same page, everybody was on block and was committed to the values that you decided were most important to your organization. And secondly, as a, as, as a second strut to that or a second layer, everybody was individually working on what was important to them. And obviously by tweaking that, you can get all those individual parts and all those individual improvement processes to combine and come together for the good of the whole unit and the team. And that is obviously what Jay Martin's done in his career and continues to do. And I think it's an absolutely fantastic interview. So just to re, re-go over those, he's process-oriented and, and, and absolutely make sure that his, the people in his team understand that and take that on board. So it's process over results. The redefinition of mental toughness. What does mental toughness mean? It means to him being able to perform at a certain level. The value of intrinsic motivation for the players or members of your team. The creation of a value system, taking the time to create a value system so that everybody is on the same page. And he quotes that after many, many years, all those four things as being absolutely fundamental to his success. And I think there's some real great lessons in there. So I hope you can take those away. It's a real great read. And um, I'm sure if any of you can go away and find any more information on on Jay Martin, that'll be absolutely fantastic. Um, But I thought I'd share that with you. um, And I hope you get some real, real value out of that. As always, um, thank you for listening. I appreciate your time. I know we are all busy. I hope you've got something out of that. Um, if you want to want to share something, it's uh, be great to hear from you. You can um, contact me on LinkedIn um, or robriles.co.uk. Um, but once again, thanks very much. It's Rob Riles, leader, manager, coach, and I'll catch you again. Bye-bye.